Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. We are Nishmas, Uzun Bas, Ezra, and Rukhana. All those near Fuas and Yeshuas, maybe she's a shikin, Kalev. The Shabbos Pashas, Chukas Bolok in Kutzlaritz. Chukas Bolok, we're going to again unite with Achena Bnei Sol in Atzena Agdesha. They learned Chukas last week, and they will learn Bolok this week, we'll learn Chukas and Bolok, and thereby be once again reading the same Pashas continuing from here, so that Dvarim is for Tishbav. Chukas and Bolok. You have the words Matas Masai, you have Baharab Chukesai, you have the Pashas, they go together, and there's, they're common, and the explanations work together, etc., Chukas and Bolok are totally abstract one from the other. Chukas, obviously talking about the Chukim Shabbatayra, and we've explained many times the different types of mitzvahs, Eidus Chukim Mishpatim, testimonial, the ones that we don't have any reason to understand at all, and then the Mishpatim that are common knowledge. Bolok, was a king. He was a king of Moyav. Not a very nice guy. When we talk about Chukas, there are many different things that transpired in the Pasha's Chukas. But opening of the Pasha talks about purification of the Jews. How a red heifer is slaughtered and mixed with different, the blood mixed with different things sprayed on the people that are impure and they become pure. They were impure because they, they were either Chavre Kadisha, they were dealing with their bodies, etc. Bolok. And there's different things that we're going to discuss that happens in Pashas Kukas. Balak was not a good man, as we said. Problem in its own right. Why is the parasha named after Balak? So, Chassidish Taich Balak is Rashtevis Vehaftalariacha And if you can't figure out how that works, then you have to work on Yavis as well. Um. Bolok is Beis Lamed Kuf, and Ve'ahavta is Vov, Lamed Kof. But, we'll take it. But we do derive from Bolok, since Bolok goes out to hire Bilam and the famous story that ensues of Bilam, his donkey. And then Bilam tries to curse the Jews because that's what Balak hired him for because he figured he can't fight with them physically. So he's hiring him to curse the Jews. And the ultimate that's recited on a daily basis by the Jewish nation, Matevo Elach Yaakov Mishkim Yisrael. How good is it? Your tent, Yaakov, Jewish nation, we refer to as Yaakov. Dwelling, Israel. The mission of a person, of the Neshama here in this world, the mission statement, the mission that a person has, is lastly, dealing is Barak B'Takhtenim to make a dwelling place for a God Almighty in this world. 
Vasuli Migdash Vishakanti Bisekham we spoken many times to make for me a Migdash and I will dwell amongst them, it doesn't say amongst it. Migdash is Lashin Yachid. It should say Bisekhoi. Says Rashi Bisekh Kolechad Vyachad, each and every one of us is considered a Migdash Ma'at, a small Migdash, a small tabernacle. And therefore we make place, we are at, we're being told to make a place in us, within ourselves, as a resting place for God Almighty. Some people have a house, a mansion, with a myriad of rooms. But if a guest were to come, have a far-fetched, maybe I could convert, convert this room to a guest room. Maybe. We don't depict these type of houses. It was in a house in South America, Venezuela. The house needed 90 mezuzahs. There were 90 doorposts in that house. A lot of the doorposts were going practically nowhere. Um, I believe they have a boy, they had a boy and a girl. A son and a daughter. If I remember correctly. Ultimately, they didn't, unfortunately, put all 90 mezuzahs up, but regardless of that. Um, I don't know. I was going, we walked around room to room to room to room. I didn't see the quote-unquote guest room. There was a maid's area, maid's quarters, etc., but there was no guest room. I wouldn't have asked to go stay there for Shabbos anyway overnight. Um, a very, very far-fetched place, not near civilization, practically. Nonetheless, in that house, a guest would raise eyebrows. And a lot of blood, sweat, and tears would go into hosting a guest. And then you go to the house, the apartment of somebody that has a three-bedroom apartment. It's a big apartment already. And a guest wants to come and they'll put the kids on couches and they'll put the kids, they'll double the kids up in their own beds so that the guest could have one of the bedrooms. Always room for one more. Lastly, Dile B'Takhtenim. We need to host HaKadosh Baruch We need to host Hashem. We need to make a dwelling place for Him. So that He dwells within us. Needless to say, when one is full of outside elements, there's no room. There's no room. I'm full to capacity. I'm overloaded. I don't have the capacity to take in anymore. I have my baggage. And every little nuance sets me off in a different direction. I can't. I can't have. I can't. I'm learning. I'm learning how to connect, connect with people. I'm connecting with God in my own way. Slowly. Slowly, baby steps, I'm taking, I'm connecting with HaKadosh Baruch and I'm finding the way around that I should have and I should make place 
that I should be able to make plays, and I should make ultimately more and more plays for HaKadosh Baruch It's not overnight. Give me my space. Give me the air to breathe. And don't shut doors. Don't shut windows. If a door or window open up, let it stay open. With different words or thoughts, suddenly the Yitzhahara can come along and wham, slam down the doors and the windows and shutters and everything else because the person... Enough! Too much spirituality, too much ruchnius. Chukas. Pasha's Chukas, very full parsha. With many different things that transpired to the Jewish nation. The best of the best, which is the Paraduma, which makes us pure to the worst of the worst to the sin of Meimiriva, where Meisha and Aaron are denied entry into Yisrael. Can we think of anything worse than that in history? We don't even begin to realize how much that affects us till today. How a Beis Hamikdash built by Meisha Rabbeinu would never have been able to be destroyed. And as Meshach Rabbeinu, as our leader forever and ever, Sheikh Tzidkenu, we would be able to follow and receive on a constant basis from the ultimate source. Because he would be a direct conduit from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Meshach Rabbeinu and Aaron are not being allowed into Yisrael, this is a very, very crucial turning point in our history. That in itself was a bracha. That in itself showed the self-sacrifice, the abnegation of Meisha and Adam, of true leaders. Since there were so many people that had passed away in the desert, that, die, that died in the desert, because of the, the Chetam Maraglim, because of the sin of the spies, had Moshe and Aaron gone into Eretz Yisrael, the need for Tchiz HaMesim would never have to take place, because that would be Mashiach Tchenu, and they would live in Eretz Yisrael. But who would come back to get the people that had died in the Midbar? We no need. Meisha as a Mehemna, as a true leader, as a true devoted shepherd, said, no, I'm not leaving my flock. Even my dead flock, I'm not leaving. I too will be buried at Evil Yarding. So that when it comes to Chesamesim, they have to come to get me, they will come to get everybody that's around in the Mesa Midbar. Such abnegation on the part of Meisha Rabbeinu who had such a tremendous yearning to enter into the Holy Land. Where could he have possibly completed, where could he have possibly reached a zenith, a spirituality? Only that's Israel. I mean, imagine, in the desolate Midbar, imagine, in the decadent Mitzrayim, the levels which Meish Rabbeinu achieved spiritually, how much more so could he have achieved in Yerushalayim and Eretz Yisrael? But he needed to, he was forced to forego this. And one of the reasons simply stated is for Avas Yisrael, so that the people that passed in the Midbar should not be left behind.
then we come to Balak of Matevo Elachiyaku Mishkinasechi Yisrael. A battle cry telling us how pure is the Jewish nation. As Bilam looked down to Chasshom, cursed the Jews from the mountaintops, he saw how they had situated their tents. And the tents of the entranceways of the tents, nobody's faced the others. There were no windows in their tents. But their entranceways did not face one another so that nobody looked into anyone else's tents. In simple words, the attitude of live and let live, the attitude of not wanting to talk Lashon Hara, of not looking to think bad about a fellow Jew, not trying to cause bad to a fellow Jew. This was expressed by the Jewish nation in the fact that the tents did not face, their entrances did not face one another, and thereby... Bilam says, How good it is for us. Many, many people have a custom that prior to any chuppah, if there's a chazan, he'll sing, in his own way. Because that is the ultimate message, that is the ultimate goal. To tell us how beautiful, how glamorous, how glorious is the Jewish life and the Jewish lifestyle. So that is the ultimate, when we take out of Bullock all the things that transpired, the Shalash Rigolin, the 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 donkey telling Bilam, who hit him three times, he doesn't say Shalish Pa'amim, he says Shalish Rigolim. And Ashi immediately explains to the Bechamash Lamikra, you're going to try to curse the Jewish nation, the nation that has Shalish Rigolim, has the three of them, Pesach, Sukkot, Shavuos. And the three times, thrice a year, that they come up to the Beis Hamikdash to be Eilid Egel. Shalish Rigolim. Every single conversation, every single nuance throughout the parsha tells us and teaches us how great the Jewish nation is. And this coming after the parsha of the tremendous pain that transpires to Mesha and to Adam. When Miriam passes away, Miriam had in her schus the bear Miriam ran. They had a stream of water that followed them throughout the desert. This stream of water was in the merit of Miriam Hanaviyah. So when she passed, it dissipated, it stopped, it ceased. Arnakayin also had a merit, and in his merit, the Jews traveled in the clouds. There was a cloud around the Jewish nation, a protection. It protected the Jews. Not only protected the Jews, it flattened out the roads <coughs> so they didn't have to climb mountains, it straightened out mountains. So they didn't have to deal with snakes and scorpions that cleared that way for them as well. And even more so. The garments which they wore, they never had to change because it washed and cleaned and grew on them because of their Nanea covet. And this was in the honor of Arnake. So now in our parasha tells us Miriam's passing and therefore the water ceases to flow. 
Aaron's passing, and therefore the Ananiah covered left, in which immediately our wonderful friend Amoli comes to attack. The man, on the other hand, <coughs> the manna that fell from heaven, this was in the merit of Meish Rabbeinu. This sustained the Jews throughout the 40 years in the desert. And now the bear was gone and the clouds were gone. Turns the Nasi Hadir, turns the king, turns the shepherd of the Jewish nation to God. And to the Banish Lelem, he davens that these things are returned, and now in henceforth they run on his merit. So until going into Eretz Yisrael, until Yeshua takes over, until Meshach's passing, there was still Ananim, there was still the clouds, not that there was a difference of Ananim and Ananiah Kovit, we're not going to go into that, and then there was the Be'er, that water that ran because of Meshach Rabbeinu, and the Manas, which was before These three items, as we said, gave the Jews the sustenance that they needed to live. The man was their food, and therefore gave them nourishment, proteins, carbohydrates, everything in that man was amazing. Can you imagine if you wanted the man to taste like kale, it tastes like... Ugh, anyway, all the kale lovers are going to hate me for this one. What should I do? When we have food, we consume food, it becomes one with our body, with our blood, with our everything, our whole system takes in the food, ingests the food, and thereby stays alive, keeps us going. The Ananiya Kovid, on the other hand, as we said, was a, a protection. Protected the Jews from the outside from the elements of the desert. The path, the garments, as we spoke. Then there was water. Does water feed me? Can I be sustained on water alone? No. But I need water. And all the dietitians and everybody will tell you, all the different doctors, nutritionists, and, and uh, medical specialists, whatever, whoever might be, tell you you need to have X amount of water a day to keep the flow of everything that's going on in your body, keep your kidney going. <coughs> We're talking water, C2O, CO2, whatever it is not liquor we're not talking liquids which some will turn to the vodka and to the scotch instead we're talking about plain water drinking water if I say tap water it has to have a filter according to most according to many if I say bottled water you tell me different companies come from where and what they take them from, and what they're worth, and what their values are. Does water have actual nutrients? No. It doesn't give you anything. But you can't live without it. You can't live without the water. It gives you the flow of your body, the consistency. Tata has the same effect. The tater that permeates in the body and feeds the soul. Tater that simply protects 
from outside elements. And Taylor can reach, therefore, to every single part of the body. Spreads throughout the body, just as we said with the water. When a Jew learns Teda, they are now absorbing the Chachma, the godliness of Chachma, within their mind, within their heart, and it becomes part of them. They live it. Just like food sustains the body. Therefore, we find no two Jews are the same with this. When it comes to learning Torah, you have those that can learn and amass a, a, a tremendous amounts of Torah, and they have the depth with which they can understand it. And then, unfortunately, you have the friend that struggles with everything in Torah, with every word in Torah, with every time they have to learn something. It's a struggle for them. And they don't understand everything that deeply and that fully. Because this is something that has to totally, totally envelop the person. Permeate the person. So therefore, according, each one according to their own, each one according to how their body reacts, each one according to what they can absorb. Teda has though the strength to help us overcome any hardships of the world. No matter which Jew, no matter how, no matter no difference between Jews, what they can understand, what no what they can grasp, by tying themselves to Teda they can find a solace, they can find a cover, they can find a protection from every different problem. In that way, the Torah is like that, Aniyakovit. Paving the way to go through any, and to overcome any obstacles, etc. And the third element of Torah is the schoolers Hamayim, the water that it says just like the nature of water flows from above the below and thereby reaches to every little place if you pour down a cup of water down a hill it reaches, it spreads itself throughout obviously one cup of water is not going to spread that far but a substantial amount of water definitely will so too Teda goes down from the highest of places, from Bayakarish Baruch Hu, its source, its godly source, and goes down to below. In a way that each and every Jew can learn it, can absorb it, and take it, take in their own way how they can connect and how much they can internalize. There's no such thing as a free lunch as a Jew that cannot do so. That cannot accept, that cannot be absorb words of Teda. Every Jew in his own way, in his own right. In his own style, in his own, at his own level. So he, although the man was in the merit of Mesha and the clouds in the merit of Aaron, and the bearing merit of Miriam. After all of them passed, the first two, Miriam and Aaron, passed, everything was in the merit of Meshach Rabbeinu. He took on everything. Why? Because we said Meshach was a leader, Meshach was a, a shepherd, and therefore 
was one that gave sustenance from all different ways of possible walks of life. This is a true leader. He's worried about the needs of his nation. And since each and every Jew has within them, as we learn in Perik Membez and Tanya, the Al-Tarebbe explains each and every Jew has a spark of Meshul Abenu. Therefore we know that each and every one of us has an obligation for the to do for the public. To help out, to overcome whatever problems they can. A Jew cannot say, it's not my business. Not my, not, it's not out of my league. It's not, no. One needs to be able to, one needs to devote themselves always constantly on a constant basis to help the fellow Jew. Just as Meshe Rabbeinu, who gives us the spark within us of Meshe Rabbeinu, and with this we, per, we can persevere, we can move on, we can forge ahead. As we said before, our Pasha discusses amongst the many things in Pasha's Kukas, we have the story of the Meimiriva. The Meimiriva, the waters of strife. Waters of strife. What they caused to the Jewish nation. Am Yisrael was thirsty. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Meisha, take your staff, speak to the stone and tell it to give out the water again. Meisha spoke, but obviously he spoke to the wrong stone because the stone had, revert, had planted itself amongst other stones. According to one opinion, he spoke to the wrong stone and nothing came out. However, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him to take his staff, his stick, and the first time he hit the stone and the stone gave out the water, he felt now as well that would be the, the way to do it because talking is not working and he hit the stone again. And the first time only little droplets came out and he hit it a second time and the water started to flow. For this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decrees, You will not bring, neither you nor your brother Aaron will bring the Jewish nation into the Holy Land. Unfortunately, Each person at its own level, with the Eight Sahara, commits a sin. And we're learning now in Tanya and Chitas about the different chuvas that people did for different types of sins, mostly for the olden days was fasting. However, When the pauper steals a piece of bread for himself a few crumbs, for his children a few crumbs, and he's caught and he's brought before the judge, the judge says, You stole a piece of bread, you were arrested, and he says, Your Honor, I haven't eaten in two days. My children have not eaten. I shared that one slice of bread with all my children, the three, four children, and my wife. Crumbs, Krishlach, each one got. Picture the compassion of that judge. How hard would it have to be the heart of the, such a person to say, well, you're going to sit in jail because you stole 
How many cases and such stories would you hear the judge taking out his wallet and giving the poor man some money to go buy food for your family? He stole. He stole. Don't get me wrong, he stole. And it should be punishable. He should pay back, according to the way the terrorist talks about stealing. The fifth, etc. But he doesn't have with what to pay back. And therefore, the terrorist dictates when a person steals and they can't pay back, they're sold as a slave. Being sold as a slave, the master would have to give them all their needs. I imagine the sale would pay back whatever was stolen. We're all Although we're children to God, we are also servants to God. And that part and parcel is because we have, we're indebted to God forever and ever for everything that He gives us every morning. Returning on Hashemah. And anything that sustains us throughout the day. Even if we're fasting. Still breathing air. Just had the story circulate of the 93 year old man that was in the hospital overnight. And he had to be put on a ventilator. And he came out of the hospital, they gave him a bill for the one night of the ventilator, $5,000, pounds, whatever it was. And he started to cry. And he said, old man, what's wrong? You can't pay the bill? Said, of course I can pay the bill. Not my problem paying the bill. So what's wrong? What's wrong is, for one night of breathing, for one night of air, I'm being told that the cost of one night of air is 5,000 whatevers. I'm 93 years old, I've been breathing air every single day of my life. How much do I owe God? How much do I owe Rebbeinu for the air that I breathe? Do we take that for granted, ladies and gentlemen? Rabbi Say, yes, we do. We take it for granted, the fact that we are breathing. Although we say, Maidani the Fanach in the morning, we take for granted every breath. And when we have that morsel of food, although we make a bracha before and a bracha after, we take for granted where it came from and how it got it. We're not closing our eyes each time we say Baruch Atah Hashem to have the intentions, to have the, in mind the thanking about how many people you're not even hear them say the bracha and they eat or drink? How many forget? How many don't know yet? The bracha is for everything that they eat and drink, and the bracha chreina the bench. A tzaddik, he knows. He knows across the board. And therefore the punishment meted out for a tzaddik is much more severe for the most minute and minor infraction. The hair breath deviating from the way of service of God is punishable to a tzaddik. And here, not heeding HaKadosh Baruch Hu's words of the Debartim Asela, speaking to the stone, the punishment for that is that he's not going into Israel. An ultimate, ultimate punishment. Now the fact is, let us look at Meish Rabbeinu's history. So we got to come up with something that's worse than that. Something that he said or did worse than that. I mean, he was Takat Tzadik Gomer. 
he was pure spirituality and everything else. But you can't tell me the only sin he committed, and it's the worst one, is hitting the stone instead of speaking. When he was told to take his staff anyway. Rashi has that question. What was so severe about this water business? Because the Ben Chamesh the Mikra doesn't understand what's so severe. And he brings an example of a different sin. Which gives a lot more, throws a lot more doubt on godliness. When HaKadosh Baruch told Meshach Rabbeinu that he's going to give the nation meat b'shefa, meat in, a, in an abundance, Meshach says, They should slaughter their, their spoils, their, all their sheep and everything else to be able to eat. God said, I'm going to provide. And Meshach questions it. Not punished for that. Why? Because we don't know about it. It's not common knowledge. It wasn't publicized in a big way. It was a, done in, in hiding. It was something between Meshach and Akash Baruch himself. So Akash Baruch said, okay, I'll forgive you for this one. I'll, I'll, we'll wash this one. It's a wipe. Here, however, in the case of speaking to the stone, Mesha turned down a Kiddush Hashem. In this case, the sanctification of God's name would have been so great, where everybody would have seen the command of Akadosh Baruch Hu coming into fruition where Meshach was told, speak to the stone, and he just merely spoke to a stone, and it gave out water, this would have taken the Jews to a whole new level, and this would have made the Jews, sanctified the Jews, and sanctified God's name so much more. Had Meshach kept to the script of Dabra al And everybody would see how God's words affect the world. However, since Mesha did not do that, and he was Pegea, he caused a flaw in the Kiddush Hashem. He did not sanctify God's name in this way where he could have. Therefore, the punishment was as severe as it was. Let us analyze Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem. A Jew gives their life on Kiddush Hashem. No rhyme or reason. For no particular rhyme or reason. They're put to the test and they usually, for the most part, pass and are ready to dive in the name of Hashem. I mean, how could you rationalize it? Ready to die. You only die once. But ultimately a Jew says, I can't, I don't want, and I never want to be separated from God, even for a moment. I don't want to sever my connection. And if it, if it involves such, I will die for that. I will die for that, rather than, God forbid, sever myself from God. Do we realize that speaking Lashon Hara severs us from God? Do we realize that embarrassing somebody in public severs us from God? No. 
because the Yisrael blinds us from that. We do realize if we eat non kosher chas if we desecrate Shabbos chas those things we understand. The under the table of Edis, or the on the table of Edis, that happened rolling off our tongues, that much harder. This is implied in the name of our Pasha. Chukas. Chassidus explains in the Hayyim Chafalov Sivan and Chafei Tamas as well. Chuka is Loshan Chakiko, engraved. And we know the plus of engraving overwriting, and we've told that story too. When a word is from two separate entities put together, the ink on the on the parchment, although now they're together on the parchment, the ink is on the parchment, and it becomes a writing, but it can be wiped off. And we see by the Saita, they write a whole, scri- a whole script, and it gets washed off into the water. Whereas if we engrave something, they become inseparable. These letters can no longer leave the stone in which it was engraved. You can try filling it, you can try this, you can try that. But the chikika itself, the engraving itself is not going out. When we refer to ksiva in Avedis Hashem, we're talking about the service of Hashem bound to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's a an additional entity on the actual essence of the person. The person has his connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whereas engraving it takes us to a whole different level tells us there's no separating us from God. It's all one. You can't separate them. Since a Jew is bound to the Kaddish Baruch Hu in such a high level of chukah, letters that are engraved, he feels naturally it's not possible to separate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore we can't confuse, we can't get this de- detract, distracted or deterred neither this way nor that. We, don't get, we, don't, we won't be swayed from the path. This is the depth of the connection in which we inform, which we f- firmly form with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They become one. And they can't be separated. And therefore, the Jew is ready to be made sinefesh. Our Pasha encompasses the whole 40 years, basically, that happened in the Midbar. Beginning with the Paraduma, which was said in the second year ago, Yarim Mitzrayim, Afterwards, the Taylor given over to the Telos about Miriam. Then it goes all the way down to the passing of Miriam, conquering of uh, conquering of Sichon Eig, and other happenings in between, which all happened towards the end of the forty year, end of the forty years, as they were about to enter the Holy Land. One of these happenings. Amongst these happenings, as they entered at the cell, were Mesha sent Miraglim, spies, to spy out the land, 
And another thing that God, Reuven, and Hefeshev, Menashe asked that they did not want to go into Eretz per se. They wanted to stay on this side of the Yardin, not in Eretz Canaan. And Mesha affirms that. As we see later in Matas Masai. These two happenings mention the severe, the severity of the sin of the Miraglim. One sin of the Miraglim was, of the spies was, they didn't fulfill their message, their shlichas. Moshe gave them the Ragel Just look it through, spy it out. But they came back with opinions. There's no way we're going in. Another sin, they didn't want to go into Israel. They'd rather have stayed in the desert. Although we translate that into a tremendous merit, how wonderful that was, because they wanted to only stay with the spirituality of Israel, etc., 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 but the fact is, they did not want to go into Hetzel, which was being given to them. And this is considered a sin on the part of the Miraglim. Going back on those two sins, Mesha takes the, tell the Shlichas of sending them to go out. And they decided in the end to give their opinions. They said things and did things they were not told to do. But God, Reuben, Hashem, Menashe, also said, Al Tavirino, Seyardin. That's not, we don't want to go over the Yardin. They also want to stay out of Eretz Israel. Same sin as the Menachem. In the second stage. But the truth is, the opposite is the truth. There's no Chasson repetition of the sin of the Miraglim. Rather, these people, these two and a half Shvatim, God Rubin and Chatshev Menashe, were looking to rectify, to fix their sin. To do the opposite of what the Miraglim wanted to do. Their original sin of the Miraglim, adding on the Shlichas and bringing negativity, with this they fixed by saying the positive of Ezzel, and they were definite, they were, they were reassured in the Tulas of Meshach Rabbeinu, and the help of HaKadosh Baruch and therefore, they were chosen. The same two, was Shifte Ruven, and God, and Hefeshev Menasha. The Meraglim did not want to go to Eretz Yisrael, because it would affect their service to God. They would have to work, they'd have to go to war, they'd have to this, they'd have that, They would be able to get this inheritance which Hashem Baruch promised to Avraham Avinu, the Eser Umes. In the end, they only got seven. Keni Knizia Kadmeni will only be given when Mashiach comes. But Reuven and God asked to start from now the Kivish Aretz. To begin from now, what was promised for the Asadlavi, and thereby asking to live in these lands, and to make this part of the conquering of Eretz Yisrael, thereby rectifying, fixing the sin of the Miraglim. Dafka through this, we are shown that Am Yisrael 
fix the sin of the Miraglim. As Rashi says, that in that era, in that time, Kolei the Kulam, Shleidim Ve'emdim Likhanesaretz, everyone was one unit, one entity, ready to go into Israel. But unfortunately, there was no fixing that sin. It's all for us and loving. And therefore, Am Yisrael started to inherit the land, take over the land. That Akash Baruch promised Abraham Avinu. And this will come into fruition, as we said, in the Geula Mitz Vashlem Aydei Mashiach Tzidkenu Bekarev Very briefly, Balak thought that Eg and Sichain would be his buffers. If the Jews come to attack, they will absorb and they will destroy. And therefore he had nothing to worry about. When he heard about the demise at the end of Pasha's Chukas, Bala goes into panic mode. He didn't tell anybody about the pact that he had made with them. Hey, you protect me, you watch my back. And therefore, nobody really knew what was going on. Now, when the panic ensues, he all of a sudden comes running to everybody. And thereby, they saw did not even ask Msichin to go through their land. They were going to go through peacefully. They would go around. They came out to charge to, hit, to, to, hit, to, to go to battle with the Jews. So once the Jews did this and they battled and they won, taking down that quote-unquote air quote shield of Bullocks, therefore Vayar Bullock is called Bullock now saw physically what they did. He saw his shields fall down. Then Balak ran to his nation, to his people, and told them what's going on now. Told them, if they fell, we're finished. This is also another way to exasperate the fear of Balak. He remembered that the Jews did not want to battle. They asked to go through. And therefore, because that was the commandment, don't start up with my Mayav. So he knew that the Jews were not looking for fights. The blessing of Yaakov, though, to Esau, he does the fighting. But now that he saw that the Jews fought and won over Sichon and Eig, his whole theory fell apart. And his whole, he was now out of the element. If they didn't want to, they weren't fighting to fight with them, then definitely they're not going to be fighting to fight with me. But we still have to understand why did Bullock not overcome his fear, but rather he ran into hiding. He ran into to, to crying in the corners. He's a king, a leader. He should be leading his nation. Why depress them and scare them? Because <coughs> I'll tell us, Hashem, wicked people on the hearts and the, the ownership of their hearts. When a wicked person in Russia fears something, their heart overtakes them on everything. It takes over, over overtakes over their mind and everything else, and therefore needs to hide. And this we see the difference in Balak and Moshe. The war of Eg and Eg. Moshe was frightened because he was he suspected maybe they didn't have enough schus to stand up against him because he helped Avraham Avinu. This happened in the depth of his heart. Therefore, he did not tell anybody. And he wasn't going to affect anybody with it. Whereas the Russia, all generations, did do so, and this is therefore. The revealing 
of Bullock to his nation, telling them all that they needed to fear, all that was going to happen. May we merit to Gula Mitzvah Shneimah the Shabbos Shabbos to all.